Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to, to come together, Father, to worship you. Father, we pray now that everything done and said will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, Father, and we just give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. Don't throw rocks now. <clears throat> so this uh, man came home from work one day and told his wife, I got this huge promotion, I'm going way up the corporate ladder, and I get to hire a private secretary. And the wife got offended immediately and said, okay, if you're going to hire a private secretary, she must be old and fat and grumpy, and she better be somebody that you have no temptation to have relations with. And the guy stood there for a second and said, okay, I understand. When can you start? <clears throat> I didn't run that by Crystal. I ran it by Mr. Bill. He said it was fine. <laughs> If I'd have ran it by Crystal, I probably wouldn't have made it. <clears throat> All right, so we, um, we, we've talked about since, since Easter, right? Since we've talked about the, the, the um, new covenant and the being blood-bought back, right? And all of the things that the new covenant involves. Last week, man, we had like a list of things that we got out of the new covenant. And they're there. It's the contract that's sitting there ready to go. And what we're going to talk about today is, is how we put that contract into action, right? Just because you own something doesn't mean you have possession of it. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but let's just think about it for just a second. And we'll use Sears and Roebuck because everybody in here has heard of Sears, right? Let's say you call up Sears and you buy a brand new riding lawnmower. And you call them and tell them, hey, I want this brand new lawnmower. Pay for it in full. Pay them to put it together and service it and have it ready to go. And there it sits, your brand new lawnmower. Let's pretend like there's still a Sears in North Charleston. And it sits in North Charleston. Is it your lawnmower? Yeah. Can you cut the grass with it? No. Why? Because you haven't taken possession of it. Now, if they went there to look at the lawnmower, they would say, hey, that's, that's Robbie's lawnmower. It's been paid for. It's 100% done. It's ready to go. It's ready to be into service. But he hasn't come and picked it up yet. He hasn't claimed possession of it yet. Right? I mean, that would be my lawnmower. I mean, I could sit here and go, hey, you know what? I got a really nice lawnmower. Brand spanking new. Fantastic. Well, can I see it? Well, no. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I don't have have it. I, I just, it's been paid for. It's been, it's been purchased. It's been bought. But I haven't taken possession of it yet. Right? I mean, I mean, everybody understand the concept? So, so when Jesus paid for all of these things, are, are, are they sitting at Sears waiting on you to come pick them up? Because, see, James says that faith without action is dead, right? And, and so if I'm not willing to take the action to take possession of my possession, it could be mine all day long, but it wouldn't help me cut my grass. It wouldn't help me do anything. And it didn't have to be a lawnmower. I just thought that was pretty applicable to what we're talking about. It could be anything. But until you're willing to take ownership of it and possession of it it can be yours on paper and not affect you at all i mean you could have a hundred million dollars in the bank right uptown and if you're not willing to go in and put a demand on the supply it'll just sit there you could live in the street you could have no house you could have no car you could be hungry and thirsty and have all the money in the bank but until you put that into action it's no benefit to you 
So the covenant of all the things that we talked about, and I mean, we talked about a list. One of the twins harassed me or rally said something. One of the kids told me, you went into like a speed round. And I'm, yeah, we, we had a lot of stuff to get done. The speed round. All the things that the, the new covenant buys us back is ours. But if we fail to take possession of them or we fail to put our faith into action, see, that's it. How we take the new covenant and we put it into action is faith. Now you think, well, I don't want to look silly. You know, I don't want to look silly because if I start to act like all of those things really belong to me, that people might think I'm strange. And I just want you to think about for a second the idea of Noah building a giant boat in a desert in a world where it had never rained. Now, I'm not asking you to do anything crazy like that, right? I mean, that's pretty big, to, to build a boat in the desert in a place that had never flooded ever in the history of the world, that had never seen rain in the history of the world. But by faith, Noah built the boat, right? Why? Because God's told him to. When you go, well, if God told me to build a boat, I will build a boat. Well, God said you were set free from the curse. God said you were healed. God said you were redeemed. God said you were adopted. Did you take possession of those things? Did you act like that? Jesus said to, in John 10 and 10, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. And I have come that you have life and have it more abundantly. Are you living a more abundant life? Well, you don't understand. Times are different. Really? Did God lie? What if Noah would have said, well, you know, I know God told me to build a boat, but maybe he was just talking about that I should think about building a boat. I don't really have to do it, right? I don't really want anybody to think I'm crazy. I go to that church or I act like, you know, God's word is really true. Because, I mean, think about it. What would we have done if Noah would have just said, nah, I'm not feeling the boat building vibe. Just not, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't, I'm sorry. That's a big commitment. I mean, it's going to take me, you know, 80 years or whatever. I mean, it's a lot. It is a bunch on my part. But by faith in what God told him, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. So short of building a boat, all of the promises of God that are in the new covenant by faith are ours. So what do we have to do? We have to show up. And we have to start to confess those things over our life. And we have to start to live in the manner that God told us to live. And start to develop these parts of this contract. I mean, you have the contract. It's been bought. Your mower's right down there in North Charleston. All you got to do is find somebody dumb enough in a truck to go pick it up for you. Or you can do it yourself. Or if you got real crazy. I mean, this is where I am in the Noah world. That if God told me that's what I was supposed to do, I would get to North Charleston somehow and drive said lawnmower back to my house. I mean, it would be an interesting drive. I mean, can you imagine the people passing you on 52? I, what I would probably do is just get over one and get in the grass and turn it on. We just cut grass from North Charleston to St. Stephen right there. Just right down the side of the road. One path right down the side of the road. Had to get me some of them caution mowing people to stand behind me. But if it's mine, then I want it. And if God's word says it's mine, then I want it. And I want to be living according to that. Right? Okay, so, I mean, does anybody else have that opinion? That if, if God says it's mine, that I want it? I want all of it. 
If God said it, it's all mine, and you go, well, I don't really need all. I'll just take just a little bit. That's okay. I don't, I don't want all of what God has. I just want some. And I know that sounds dumb when it comes out of my mouth. You're like, of course I want all of what God's got for me. Really? Are you acting appropriately to uh, have that? Because that's the question. If it's been bought back in, in the covenant, in the contract that has been paid for, if I've been redeemed from the curse, if I live under no condemnation, if I know that nothing can separate me from the love of God, all of those wonderful things that we talked about in the last three weeks, if all of that belongs to you, then act like it. Act like it's yours. So, uh, <clears throat> so the, 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 the topic today is faith. And I know y'all have heard a few faith sermons in your lifetime, and I understand. Um, but if you will, turn with me to Romans. Because, see, we want to check off some boxes of things that we need to do to get us in the place of where we can receive from God. So, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and I know you can quote it. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of God about Christ. So, when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God... For you to have faith in the new covenant, you have to have heard, right? You have to have heard that what the new covenant is. See, you couldn't, I couldn't ask you to have faith in something you never heard about, right? I mean, I can't have, ask you to have faith in, in some foreign topic that you know nothing about, and I don't want to, you know, hurt anybody's feelings, but, you know, some crazy other like cryptocurrency or some other thing that you know nothing about, it's hard to have faith in that. Why? Because you don't know anything about it. You don't know how it works or what it says or what it does or what does it even mean. See, when you have faith in something, you have faith in it because you understand the process, the concept, and you trust the supplier, right? So as Noah was had faith that he knew that he was supposed to build a boat is because he wasn't concerned on whether or not the water was going to show up. He wasn't concerned on whether or not it was going to rain or not. All he had faith in is what God said. And really, God said it, and that settled it, and I believe it. They used to have a bumper sticker, right? God said it, and I believe it, and that settles it. And that's not really how it works. It's God said it, and that settles it. And you can believe it or not believe it. It doesn't affect me at all. But our faith comes from whether we believe what God says or not. And it's a very simple idea, but when you have faith in what God's Word says, after you've heard what God's Word says, right, that I've been redeemed from the curse, that I live under no condemnation, that I cannot be separated from the love of God, that I've been bought back, that I've been redeemed, that I've been saved, that my future is in heaven. Once I get to there, and I know what God's Word says, I can either believe it and act appropriately or not believe it and act appropriately. That's the difference. Once you make up your mind that you're going to believe what God's word says no matter what, that turns into faith. And faith comes by hearing and understanding what God's word says about a subject, and then you can hook your little red wagon to it or not. But I can tell you, you can believe whether healing is for today or not. It does not affect whether 1 Peter 2.24 says that by his stripes I was healed. Past tense, done, deal, finished. That the torture and the beating he took on the cross was for my sickness and my salvation that he paid my penalty. 
That's done. Now, you can believe it or not believe it. And you listen, you can't believe for me, and unfortunately, I can't believe for you either. Because my faith has to do with me, and your faith has to do with you. So Romans says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So once we have heard, and we have faith, right? Everybody started out in preschool, and you know we learned our colors are red and green and blue, and 2 plus 2 equals 4. Now, you could have not believed that 2 plus 2 equals 4 for a really long time. But once you understand the concept of mathematics and how it, how it works, you all of a sudden have faith in 2 plus 2 equals 4. Now, you can have friends that tell you 2 plus 2 equals 5, and you, they can believe it all day long, but that doesn't make it any less true in my head, right? And I can have people tell me whether or not God's Word is true or not, and that does not affect me at all. Well, I don't know if healing's really for today because my so-and-so or my uncle or my cousin or my brother or my cousin's brother's son, I don't care. I know what God's Word says, and I want to treat it appropriately. Okay? What happens is, is when we start to understand and study and develop that the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, after we have heard and heard and heard, it develops confidence in us, right? Because faith leads to confidence. So if you will, 1 John. <clears throat> um, chapter 5, and we're going to start with uh, uh, verse 13. I write, these, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of him. So our confidence of him, our faith, develops into confidence. To where, this is a granddaddy example, right? I didn't see a single one of y'all test that bench to make sure it was going to hold you up. You didn't reach and hold it at all. Now look, I mean, we were at a ball game not so long ago, and there was a guy sitting on the bench. And if you looked with a critical eye, the bench went, he should have tested the bench, because I'm not as confident as he was in whether that bench was going to hold him up or not. He's a pretty good-sized boy. Right? But I didn't see a single one of y'all, you know, kick the frame or look at the roof when you walked in, because you had confidence, Right? When you put your car in drive this morning, you didn't test your brakes before you started, right? Because you have confidence in those brakes that when you mash it, it's going to stop. Now, I'm going to tell you, at some point in time, that bench is going to fail, and this building may or may not fall down, and those brakes will eventually fail. We have confidence in things that man made on a daily basis, and we take them to be guarantees, right? Your brakes, you don't ever think about them. Yet we look at what God's word says that's been the same yesterday, today, and forever that will not change, that has been there since the beginning of the world and will be there after the world is gone. We can't have faith in that, yet we have faith in things that man's hands made. See, man's hands didn't make this. This is the word of God. The creator of the universe spoke it into existence. When he said, let there be light, he created everything that we see. And the Bible says, without him, nothing was created. So when you can have faith in something that man made, 
but not the confidence in the understanding of what God's Word says, then we have a fundamental problem. And the truth is, is that faith comes by hearing. And you may have heard a story of somebody sitting on a bench and it falling down or mashing the brakes and the car not stopping. But you've heard your whole life that the brakes stop the car and the bench will hold your hiney up off the floor, right? So you have been conditioned in confidence in knowing that that system is going to do what it says it's going to do. Yet we've not had been the same condition and confidence that this system never fails. Never. At some point in time, your car is going to have too many miles that won't crank up anymore. The motor is going to blow. The brakes are going to quit. The transmission is going to blow up. I don't care. I don't care if, it's, if you have the original Model T that Henry Ford rolled off the lot. At some point in time, it's going to stop. This does not stop. All right. So, let's go to Hebrews. I mean, you can't, you can't preach a sermon on faith if you don't talk about Hebrews, right? I mean, it's just impossible. So, let's go to Hebrews. It's hot. It's hidden. Where in heck? Chapter 11. In verse 1. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and in the assurance about what we do not see. <clears throat> for by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, right? But what God spoke. And then Hebrews 11 talks about the, they call it the Hall of Fame, right? The Hall of Fame. Everybody that has ever done anything noteworthy in, in biblical times by faith. And by faith, Abel brought God a better offering. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life that he did not experience death. Over and over and over and over, it talks about people who lived up to their potential because they had faith in God. I mean, you can go down this whole list. I mean, it is, it is the who's who. It's Noah and Abraham and King David and all of the stuff, right? All the great men of God. And what they did, and there's a lady in there too, right? So, but what they did was, is they grabbed a hold of what God's word said about them, and they refused to believe anything else. See, if I had a note outside to sit out of the however many, I think it's like 20, 20, 20 pews maybe, 16 pews, 18 pews, out of the 18 pews, Two were going to fail this morning. Your faith would not have been as good, right? Now, if you were trying to be safe, you'd have picked the ones on the very, very front. They would probably be the, actually, they're probably the least likely to fail because they don't have the least traffic on them, right? The ones in the back corners, they are most likely to fail. They have the most traffic on them. But if I told you two out of 18 were going to fail, would you have sat down so confidently? No. If I told you that, while we were sitting in here, somebody cut brake lines on a car outside, and somebody was going to have a surprise on the way home. Would you just crank it up and go? No. But what if I told you that God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it is true, and it's yours, and it belongs to you, and you should act accordingly? Would it change how you walk out the door? Heck, it should. 
I'm talking about 100%. I'm not talking about a 50% or 2 out of 18% or 1 out of 45. I'm talking about no matter what else happens in the world, God's word is true. And God's word expects us to act accordingly. So when we understand that this great contract that is the new covenant has been developed and it's for us and it means what it says and all of those promises belong to me, we have to make a faith decision on whether we're going to leave them in North Charleston or we're going to take them home with us. And you go, well, wait a minute now. That's a whole lot of stuff. That's a whole lot of promises. I get it. I understand. Focus on one a week. Two a week. Start to understand that God's word is for you and it's real and it's true. And live accordingly. Just, just a little bit. There's, there is, it is impossible to develop in faith without works. If you do not start putting God's word into action, it is dead. We have to start to develop our habits to live according to God's word. Now, this is not a, if you're not good, you're not going to heaven speech, sermon. This is not a, you're the, you know, the, the mealy worm of the dirt speech. This is not one of those. This is, you are the sons and daughters of God. You have a list of promises that belong to you according to God's word. It is time for the body of Christ to act accordingly. And it is by faith. And you go, well, if I saw it, it would be easier to believe. Really? It would be easier to believe than Noah building an ark in the middle of the desert? I mean, you don't think them people had fun with him? I mean... In the flesh, I don't know how you could walk by a guy building a boat in the middle of the desert and not pick on him a little bit. I mean, just a little bit, a little bit. So when you get to the idea that I have been chosen, that I have been set free, that I am redeemed from the curse, that I am blessed beyond coming in and blessed going out, and that he picked me, that I've been healed by his stripes, let, let's start to work on that really and truly, if you really want to develop your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you cannot just live off of what comes out of the pulpit. The, the hearing God's word 30 minutes a week cannot sustain you for the rest of the week. Now, it is important. It, it is vital. It is developmental. You need it. It is like eating and drinking. You have to have it to survive. But you have to develop a way for you to hear God's word on a daily basis. You eat every day. I would bet most of you bathe most likely every day, right? But you eat and drink every day. And, it, and if it's nothing else, you have to start reading God's word. I don't care if it's a scripture. A scripture. Not, I'm not talking about books or or. <clears throat> chapters or, or, or books or, or New Testament or Old Testament. I, I'm just saying you've got to put God's word into your life daily. It has to start to develop with you. If you plant a garden, you walk by and go, man, that garden needs some water, and then turn around and walk off. Not if you're a very good gardener. 
You got sprinklers and soaker hoses. Well, wait a minute. Daddy's got sprinklers and soaker hoses and all kinds of stuff. Daddy's got a silly sprinkler that's supposed to keep the varmints out of the um, garden. It's a motion sensor. So if something makes the motion sensor go off, it sprays whatever's in front, which I thought was pretty cool until I rode my bicycle past it, and it sprayed me from here to there. Oops, I got too close to the, I mean, I went right by it. I didn't go in the garden and it sprayed right up my back. I'm like, holy cow, where'd that come from? But if, you are, if you're going to tend to something and nurture it and help it grow and help it develop, I mean, you take a newborn baby and go, yeah, probably needs change and probably needs to eat. Good luck. That's not how you raise kids. Well, not for very long. They don't sustain themselves for very long. So as we are babies in Christ and start to grow up and develop, it takes some nurturing. It takes some time. It takes some development. You don't walk outside and plant a seed and then come back inside and go back out and look for fruit. If you do, you ain't very bright. You can't take this and plant the seed and go, I expect my whole life to change in a matter of minutes. It takes time. It takes development. That farmer that plants the seed that grows our crops, they have faith. They have faith that when they plant in the spring and they do everything they're supposed to do to the ground, that God supplies the rain, that, that the animals are not going to eat the crops. But it's a process. It takes from you know early spring to middle of the fall for the harvest to happen. So if you want a harvest, I wouldn't let many more days go by without planting. You can wait for the perfect time to plant and keep walking by the field going, mm, maybe next week. And you'll never have any crops. If you're going to develop in what God's word says about you, you can't keep kicking the can down the road. We have to make a stand in faith that we know that God's word is true. <clears throat> Here's a good one. So Jeremiah, let's go to Jeremiah. I bet y'all didn't think we were going to Jeremiah today. Jeremiah, in the first chapter, in verse 12, the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I'm watching to see that my word is fulfilled, that God watches over his word to perform it. The same way you watch over those children, the same way you watch over that garden to protect it and to make sure that it does what it's supposed to do, that God watches over his word to perform it. So when you start standing on the promises of God, you go, well, I don't know if this means anything or not. Yes, it does. God is watching over his word to perform it. But it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is not a, I'm going to do it for two days. You can't do this like you diet. There you go. That's the best way I know how to say it. You can't do this like you diet. You can't eat three salads and wonder why you didn't drop 20 pounds. This is not that kind of deal. This is a commitment. This is a life-changing commitment. And if when you decide that I can commit myself, that I'm going to live, that the word of God is true, and every man can be a liar and I don't care, that the word of God is true, that I have faith, that I know, that granddaddy used to say that it says genuine leather on it. Mine don't even say genuine leather. But I believe that even if it says genuine leather on the outside of it, that the word of God is true and I don't care, when we have faith enough to stand on God's word, to build that boat in the middle of a desert, then when the flood comes, 
You're not one of those people on the outside beating on the doors. See, that's the thing. Noah's faith was rewarded. You can say, yeah, kind of. No, no, not kind of. If Noah didn't have faith and if Noah didn't build a boat, Noah would not have survived the flood. So when we are in the preparation time to where we're supposed to develop our faith and stand on God's word and know what it says and know what it says about us and how we're supposed to behave and how we're supposed to act, when the flood comes, it is rewarded. It changes how we live. It changes how we walk. It changes how we talk. It changes who we are. And man, a big part of it is it changes how you look to the world. Because look, you can be the nicest, greatest person ever and not have God in your heart and you will not be the light of the world that you're supposed to be. You can also be the darkest person ever that had God inside of you and changed people's lives. When we live according to God's word as we develop it, we become a brighter and brighter light in a very lost world. And that, to me, is probably the most rewarding thing that we can do. To be a reward to other people to where they can see God and how we act. So as we have faith, and as we develop in what we're supposed to be, and as we take God's word for true, and act accordingly, and take possession of it, that as we do that, when God's word flows into us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, you start to spread it, right? And it's like a fire, and it spreads from person to person to person. And they want to know what makes you different. Now, the same promises from the same God in the same Bible belong to every Christian there is. But the folks who live it and walk it are brighter lights. I want us to be a room full of bright lights. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you and praise you that it will go out. It will not return void, Father. And we just give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thank you.